What's going on guys? Welcome to episode 10, week 11. This is FFB Unwrapped. My name is Perry Aston, joined by Adam Stark. Special guest today, Ryan Whitfield. What's going on guys? Adam, how you doing? I'm doing great. Just another day of fantasy football. And important days now with playoffs coming close. Ryan, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on guys. Glad to be here. Awesome. So let's jump right into a crazy episode. Before we really do, I want to remind you to listen to our podcast on podcast.com or the Apple Podcast app. If you're on there, please go leave us a review and a rating. Much appreciated. Go follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. You can follow Adam on Twitter at EverydayFFB. Follow our page on Twitter at FFB Unwrapped, and you can follow our guest on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield NE. So just a little bit about Ryan before we jump in. Base data analyst for Pro Football Focus, runs the news desk for Fantasy Pros, staff writer, CLNS Media, and of course his podcast, which would be Football Garbage Time. Such great media content that he puts out, so make sure you're going to check out his page, check out his podcast, go check out his website, footballgarbagetime.com. Let's jump into some crazy topics, starting with Le'Veon Bell. He's not coming back. He's probably the first NFL player to redshirt a year, I would say. I don't think I could recall when something like this has happened. So I have a couple questions for you. I'll start with you, Ryan. For Le'Veon Bell, him not returning, what does this mean for the Steelers? What does this mean for James Conner's fantasy value for the rest of the year moving into the playoffs in the next few weeks? What do you think about that? And then we'll move on to Le'Veon Bell's future. You guys will learn quickly throughout tonight's episode that I'm, I have a pretty strong feeling about, from a football standpoint, the uselessness of a high-end running back. So for the Steelers, this is great news because I think for a team that's starting to catch their stride, him coming back only introduces trouble in that locker room. Obviously, all the stuff with the offensive line coming out before the season. I think James Conner has won that position now. So if Bell comes back and starts taking away carries from him, does that sit well with the rest of the team? So as a Patriot fan, I was really hoping and rooting for Le'Veon Bell to come back just to throw it all into chaos in Pittsburgh. But it did not happen. On the other side, the flip side, I mean, James Conner has been a high-end fantasy running back this year. And now you have zero threat of Le'Veon Bell coming back and For those of you who still reached and took a guy who was threatening to hold out in the top four, you know, you reap what you sow. Kind of get just desserts now. This has to be the worst fantasy football pick of all time. Adam, where was Le'Veon Bell selected in your fantasy league, or at least your main fantasy league? I had a couple leagues, ironically. I was at the two spot, and I had Le'Veon Bell drafted first overall in both of them, and I got Todd Gurley at that too, and I didn't think I was going to get Todd Gurley at all. (laughs) You lucky lucky bastards. I lucked out. I cannot believe that. Yeah, it's crazy. And I just can't imagine how many people traded away James Conner thinking, oh, man, I got got a steal. I got got Joe Mixon. And then, what do you know, James Conner's playing the rest of the season. It is an RB1. And I I know you were pretty low on Le'Veon Bell coming into the year. People were calling you crazy. You had him as your seventh overall running back. And you said it came to a lot of factors, of course, him possibly missing this much time and the fact that when he does come back, you weren't 100% sure how he would come back with this offense. He just lost, I believe, $14.5 million by not playing this year and screwed a ton of fantasy teams. Shout out Le'Veon Bell for being the worst fantasy pick of all time. Now moving on to my second question, where do you think he ends up next year? And I'm going to start with you, Ryan. What do you think? 
Well, I'll continue my bullheaded take here and tell you that he'll end up with the Jets, the Buccaneers, or some stupid franchise yep. who overpay for a running back. So I've run through this on every, I, almost every guest experience I do, and on my podcast, I always get dragged in this conversation. I just like to point out that the starting running back of the last four championship teams was uh, three times Garrett Blunt and one times C.J. Anderson. You just don't spend on a running back. So wherever he goes, he'll be a marginal boost to a team that sucks and will continue to suck. Again, those are the two at the top of, of my mind right now. Rojo has not worked out at all in Tampa Bay, so I could see Tampa Bay being the team to go after him. The Jets are just in complete disarray. I just I see them again as, as a potential team that would go after him. So those are my two front runners right now, but... You know, again, whoever wins the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes enjoy winning maybe one more game next year than you did last year. Yeah, Adam, where do you think he ends up? I think the Jets are the biggest name out there. Tampa Bay, obviously. Uh, maybe the Colts, I could see just because luck, he could be blossoming into a superstar and he's young talent. They want to add more talent. Well, luck's in his prime. Yeah, I agree with Ryan. I think wherever he goes, he's not going to be with a team that's going to really compete. Maybe be a borderline wildcard team with him, but I don't see a team with Le'Veon Bell going to the Super Bowl or even to the AFC or NFC Championship game. I'm in complete agreement with both of you guys. I think he ends up as a New York Jet, but there are a couple other possibilities, but it's going to cost some money to bring him in. You guys said it right. They're going to overpay to bring him in. This is Le'Veon Bell. The name's going to carry itself. In my personal opinion, I think he's replaceable. It maybe might be a system thing in Pittsburgh, but James Conner has obviously passed his stats across the entire board. So it shows that his numbers aren't just easily duplicated. Uh, let's talk Des Bryant. Pretty sad news to report. Out for the season after two practices, tearing his Achilles. The Saints signed Brandon Marshall. Does that carry any fantasy value as maybe a deeper league stash or a possible flex play once he gets into this offense a little bit more, especially heading into playoffs. Is this an ad or kind of a useless one? We'll start with Ryan. I'm low on Brandon Marshall right now. I mean, Seattle, they're not exactly dealing from position of strength. So if you're getting, you know, outright cut by the Seattle Seahawks at the wide receiver position right now, that coupled with the way he had performed in the beginning of this year, I just, this is a guy that I think kind of had his last big dance two years ago in was either 2015 or 2016 season to blend in together for me right now but the year with the Jets where they were 10 and 6 and almost made the playoffs that was kind of his swan song he kind of had a bounce back here that year and now he's just he's just fading out quietly so as far as the impact I mean he's going to be the number three guy there in New Orleans they need bodies they need anybody that has legs and hands and Achilles that are still working to play receiver right now <laughs> yeah. so it makes sense that they would do it from a football standpoint right but from a fantasy perspective I mean I wouldn't and maybe if you're in a 16-team league with 17 spots on your roster and you need a 17th spot filled, then you go after him. If you're in like a 12-team league, there's, there's no reason to grab Brandon Marshall right now. Yeah, totally get what you're saying. Let's move on to our next bit of news. Cooper Cup torn ACL out for the season. How does this impact the other Rams wide receivers? Really a tough blow with the kind of season that he's having. Really sad. I'm not worried about this offense at all because it's the Rams. What do you expect? No matter who they put in there, it's going to seamlessly fit. I truly believe that. Sean McVay is a serious offensive mastermind. Josh Reynolds is really going to benefit. And that is one guy that, of course, is on my Week 11 Fire Waiver Wire segment for this week. Wanted to ask you, Ryan, just your thoughts on Cooper Cup, the Rams, and what this does for the receivers there and for the fantasy value moving forward. You know, I think just in general, my takeaway is that, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. And I just think this is going to benefit, you know, Cook's owners and Woods owners because they're just going to get more target share now. 
So I know that they're still going to distribute the ball, but I just think that you're going to rely on those guys a little bit more heavily now with Cooper Cup out permanently. Again, if you only own either one of those guys, it's only going to benefit you. I totally agree. Like I was mentioning, I think they're going to be wide receiver one fringe guys for the rest of the year right now. Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods were both already there. And what do you think about Josh Reynolds? Is this a guy that is going to flourish in here, or is he just a flyer? I would say he's a flyer at this point, but... You know, I think this offense, you've seen it, that it happens pretty quickly. So if he flashes immediately here, I think you'll have a pretty good indication after the first game here. But I'm hesitant to pull the trigger, but I also drafted very heavily in wide receivers in most of my leagues this year. So I really don't have a big need for it. Again, I I wouldn't be surprised. I'm just not banking on it just again because there already are so many mouths to feed there. So at best, you're getting the third best wide receiver and and a bit of an unknown commodity at that. Yeah, I totally see where your head's at there. For the Rams, are they the best team in the NFL? Because right now there's obviously a few names that you could throw around. The Chiefs, who have an insane fantasy offense. The Saints, the Rams. What do you think? What's your personal opinion for who's going to take the cake? In my power rankings right now, I have the Saints one. I think that defense has started to turn a corner, and they were a really good defense last year. A lot of young talent there. It didn't make sense to me what was going on the first several weeks there of how, I guess, poor they were playing. And they seem to turn around, but I still think we haven't seen their best football yet. And I just think that for as good as the Rams are, that's the best offense in football for my money. Definitely. And the thing is, it's that defense, too. Yeah, it has a few holes, but the talent that they have there is absolutely insane. To see what they're able to do, make a culture there for, for Los Angeles to change the culture and for them to really bring in all of these heads in the offseason and see how it's gelling together and seeing the emergence of Jared Goff. In my heart, I'm in L.A. right here, guys, so I really want to say that I'm watching greatness. And I truly believe that I am, and Sean McVay is the kind of guy that can keep sustainable greatness for a long period of time. That's going to move me on to the Chiefs-Rams game, which is being relocated back to Los Angeles because of conditions in Mexico City. So that is going to be played in Los Angeles. There were numerous players that said they weren't going to sit out the entire game. They weren't going to play at all. You can't blame them. You know, you can't put at risk you getting hurt or after all the travel conditions and everything you're going through, if you're going to show up to a field where the NFL really put no effort into preserving this for the game, good call now to instead of making the call during the game. But what are you doing? You know you've had this entire international schedule planned out. You know you've had this Mexico game planned out. What happened here, guys? Have you heard anything? Not really, but did you see a picture? I saw a picture of the stadium, and the field just looked atrocious. It, looked it was awful. just torn up, and it looked like someone was going to get hurt there, and I don't blame the players for taking action and getting the game kind of relocated to L.A. That bad? How does the NFL let it get that bad? How does the NFL not have any sort of preparation for this game or anything prior to just, what, a few days before kickoff, it's really baffling to me since it's the National Football League and the players and you know the NFLPA really have to take this in their own hands to look after themselves. I think this is a big fumble on the league, and it's really going to hurt the international games, at least the momentum that they had going. It was going very well with the London games and even the prior Mexico City games, but I think this is honestly going to hurt the momentum and sets them back one step in regards to trying to push football across the nation and across the world. Guys, let's talk fire waiver wire. Who are a couple guys that you want to add? I'm going to ask you, Ryan, before I list my fire waiver wire, who is your main guys to add this week if you're looking for someone that's going to start right away for you or at least help you make that playoff run right now? 
Yeah, so a guy who, I mean, it's kind of a clouded backfield, and I know Chris Carson's coming back. Rashad Penny's finally showing us something and yep. showing us why they took him in the first round. So, you know, that's somebody that, that I think that you got to go out and get right now. Again, it's it's definitely a mess there. Mike Davis has been productive. Carson's been productive. Now Rashad Penny's been productive. And I know Carson was out last week, and now he's coming back. So that's what I would really look to do. Honestly, at this late in the season, every other guy, I had a big list. I know you guys had a big list. So I'm going to let you guys kind of take the forefront on that. Because yep. a lot of the other names left on there, besides that, are guys that people should already picked up. So, yeah, I'll let you guys kind of run through the list. If any get left off, you can come back to me at the end. But I'll let you guys kind of run through that main list you sent over. Perfect. Rashad Penny, like you said, number one on our list. It's taken a while for him to have a breakout game. But, of course, with Chris Carson's injuries, this is bad for Chris Carson owners. Me, myself, and I'm not relying on Chris Carson. To me, he's just a flex play now. But this is not good to see the other guys stepping up so seamlessly in his absence with Mike Davis and Rashad Penny now. You know, whoever that may be, it's now more of a committee, like you said. And I like Chris Carson. I think he's a guy that can be very productive, but I think he's like a Carlos Hyde, a guy that needs touches, a guy that needs to continually wear down the defense as the game goes on. And if he's going to be playing in a you know backfield by committee, I don't see that being any sort of positive thing for Chris Carson. So like you said, Rashad Penny is an interesting add here. Josh Adams is the number one guy for me. And that's because of the Eagles coaching staff being so vocal about wanting to get him more involved in this offense. And his yards per carry is very good and very limited action. And at this point, the Eagles aren't looking very good in that backfield. I'm not a confident person in the Philadelphia Eagles backfield. But if the coach is saying that he wants to give a guy more snaps, what's fantasy football? It's volume. It's opportunities. It's the next guy up. That's what fantasy football is, and that's the whole point of the waiver wire. So Josh Adams, to me, seems like the most intriguing because I know what the coach is thinking. Doug Peterson's one of the most vocal coaches in the league. He's pretty much telling you, telling the league what he's going to do and saying, I'm going to do it anyways. So Josh Adams is a guy who I think might be the most talented guy that's left back there with the Eagles right now. It's still too too soon to tell, but for the upside, I'm taking Josh Adams this week. I'm going to go through the list a little bit quicker. Chris Godwin had you know a couple great games with Fitzmagic back. Danny Amendola for Miami. Dante Moncrief, who's been playing very well for Jacksonville. Anthony Miller, really coming into his own, and Chicago wide receiver there. Jono Smith, tight end for Tennessee, a guy who's scored now two weeks in a row and in the tight end wasteland that everyone struggles with, having a guy who's now starting to gel with Mariota, he could be a smart add, especially if you're dealing with buys or injuries at the tight end position. Rashard Higgins, a guy who just came back from injury for Cleveland, has that rapport with Baker Mayfield, and you can see it. Jalen Samuels in Pittsburgh. You know, James Conner does have a bit of injury history this week lingering, and so I'm keeping an eye on Jalen Samuels just in case. And now with Le'Veon Bell not returning, there is no competition for that second guy, no matter who would have been that second guy between Bell and Connor. It still would have been an extra guy to add in there. So Jalen Samuels is a guy, not a guy that I'm super excited about, but intriguing with upside. Josh Reynolds, a guy that I am a little bit more excited about because of the offense that he plays in. And I know that, Ryan, you said that there are a lot of mouths to feed, and there are. But he did score twice a couple weeks ago, and he is going to have opportunities. So, like I said, with fantasy football, it's the next man up, and who's going to get the opportunities that game? And Cooper Cup handles a very large target share for the Los Angeles Rams. So Josh Reynolds is going to see at least a portion of that. I like what his upside is, and for fantasy – for the Rams, you can't go wrong. 
Brandon Marshall is a guy, like we were saying, I really put him on here as just being intriguing and mainly, like you said, for much deeper leagues. I do like to kind of do my fire waiver wire with a 12 to 14 league in my head to where, yeah, there's people that are probably already going to be owned. So I'm not going to put some of those more obvious guys, but guys that are obtainable, guys that are low owned in ESPN leagues, NFL.com leagues, doesn't matter what league, guys that are very obtainable. So Brandon Marshall, a guy that could have some upside. We'll see what's going on with that. Marcus Mariota for Tennessee and Dak Prescott for Dallas. Yes, two guys that have had their struggles, but both are starting to look very good, at least for fantasy right now. It's a guy that you might want to take a flyer on, and Dallas has a good matchup coming into this week. You know, what are your feelings on that, Adam or Ryan? What do you? If, is there anyone that I left off that you really want to add, or anyone that I did name that you really want to highlight? You know, I think you're missing one quarterback for sure. Uh, Lamar Jackson, if he gets the start this week, I think there's no turning back with him. I think he's going to do well against Cincinnati and just be kind of a fantasy monster. And I think with the Ravens starting to kind of fall out of the playoff race and slowly start to not get into a rebuild process, but look at all the pieces they have and regather and see what they got in Lamar Jackson, I could see him starting for the remainder of the the next six, seven games. Rumor has it um, that Robert Griffin the third might actually start I, this game. I've been hearing that too, but if he does, I think it'll just be for just one game, and Lamar Jackson will come in the second half, unless RG3 is playing amazing, but I don't think RG3 still has what he had. I don't think so either, but it's good to still see him alive, and still good to see him in the league. Ryan, is there anyone that you want to highlight off this list, or anyone that you want to add? Yeah, uh, no one that I wanted to add, but Anthony Miller to me was the name that when I saw the list this morning, I had to go back and double check because I said, you know, after he put up um, around 12 points three weeks ago, nine points two weeks ago, and then obviously had a huge game about 20 points this past weekend. So when I saw his name on the list when you sent it over this morning, I was like, well, there's, there's no way he's not scooped up in most leagues now because I think I own him about six leagues. So I went and looked, and he's, I mean, in Yahoo, he's owned in 35% of leagues. Yep. So. If you're, I mean, in a 10-team league, maybe understandable. Obviously, 18 league, you probably don't need him unless he continues to put up 20-point weeks. But if you're in a 12-point, a 12-team league, and Anthony Miller's still on your waiver wire, all 12 of you should should go and delete your Yahoo, ESPN accounts, whatever it is, and stop playing fantasy. <laughs> this guy was a guy who had a monster camp, right. had a really slow start, and he's putting up those numbers. Obviously, as you guys mentioned in the beginning, I work for PFS, so I'm really partial to our grading system over there. We have we have him as like the 32nd ranked passing quarterback in the NFL right now, I believe. So if if he's if he's putting up the, you know 40 points over the last three weeks with Trubisky throwing the ball, there's no reason that he should be on your waiver wire or in the free agency pool. So that that's a guy that it's, it's inexcusable to not have. Uh, on a roster in your league right now. Yeah, Trubinsky playing like a big boy. I don't know what's gotten into him, but that's been a huge offensive jolt there in Chicago. And He's it's... looking better than Brady, man. <laughs> Sorry yeah. to say that, Ryan. But... No, you don't have to apologize to me, from Tom fantasy, Brady. From a fantasy purpose, I think so, but you know Tom Brady, he'll do something yeah, in the playoffs. I, w- I would have traded Tom Brady last year and held on to Jimmy G, so you don't have to worry about that. You're not making me sense. You're, you're not the first Patriots fan to come on this podcast and say that too which is actually kind of funny yeah i've had multiple i feel like i have a weird amount of patriots in Boston. yeah i think you might be the fourth i want to yeah, say and that at they, least and, the third and that doesn't uh, mention it was a it was a dynasty built on on trading people before they got bad because of their age uh, and, and now we have we have our owner stepping in making uh, personnel decisions you know basically blocking trades for for gronk and and 
uh, Brady. And, and the result is you have one of the worst Patriot teams of the last 18 years out on the field despite their record. This is one of the worst Patriot teams that, have, that has been here in the last 20 years. So, so, so uh, side, side yeah, question. No here. Side question. What do you think about the Patriots this year? What is their ceiling? What do you think is going to happen for them moving further into the playoffs if they make it at all, if you think? So... The one benefit, because I, as I, I, we go through on our show, our power rankings every week, and I keep putting the Patriots at four, and I keep saying that they could still go win a Super Bowl because of the fact that I don't, I'm not a very big believer in dome teams as good as I think the Saints are. Um, that's one. The Chiefs, ha- it's in their DNA to uh, to go up whatever it was, 31 points on on the Colts, and then and then get smoked in the second half and get knocked out. Andy Reid still doesn't know how to manage a clock, so it's like. This, this is, I am so down on this Patriots team. This Patriots team is shades of 2009. And if anyone uh, doesn't remember that team, just go watch the, the Belichick of Football Life documentary and, and see what a mess that team was inside. Um, so, I mean, the Patriots, it's hard to predict. I could honestly see them. Um, I mean, right now, if the, play, if, the, if the season ended today, they'd have the Cincinnati Bengals at home on wildcard weekend. So they're obviously not losing that. But, but outside of that, they could get bounced in the first round. And I honestly think they could win the Super Bowl because I think – it's a four-team league right now. It's the the Rams. Uh, the Rams are two. I have the Saints one, like I said. I have the Chiefs three, and I have the Pats four. I think those top three in a different class, but it could still shake out that the Patriots could win the Super Bowl, even while having a, a really uh, below-average team by their standards, in my opinion. That would be the most Patriots thing to do possible, is to still win a Patriots Super Bowl, even with this subpar team, but just because Bill decided to do it. That seems like the most Patriots way to go. But Tom Brady, of course, at 41 years old, still putting up, still putting up numbers, still chugging along there. And of course, with the injuries that are happening in New England, it's been that next man up mentality. And I've been a fan of James White this year. That's one guy that I want to bring up right now who's been such a positive. He's always been one of, in, you know, Tom Brady's triangle of trust. But I think he's truly solidified himself as a guy who is a number one running back. And that doesn't mean between the tackles, traditional three-down back. But I mean a guy that, for at least fantasy, he's got to be in your top 15 week in and week out. Am I wrong? I agree, man. Um, he's just a – he was my uh, riser for uh, a couple weeks ago. I, I thought ever since Sonny Michelle went down, he was just going to take the role of the RB1. He really did. And just not, not look back, but – with uh, the only thing that I could think could slow him down would be maybe Sony Michelle catching fire and also Rex Burkhead is due to come back sometime early December. So maybe he steals a couple touchdowns, but I still think uh, James White's in that Tom Brady triangle of trust, yes. and he's going to help them carry them in, into the playoffs and throughout. Speaking of running backs, I wanted to bring up some statistics here for some fantasy names that are really bright spots, like Melvin Gordon, a guy that if you were picking around 9 or 10, you were hoping you were going to be able to, you probably were going to be able to grab him right there. He's just one of two players over the past decade with a streak of five games of 120 total yards and a touchdown. And percentage of carries gained, gaining 10 plus yards this season with a minimum of 100 rushes. He's number one by a long shot, 19.2%. Everyone hovers around 14, 15, 16%. He's almost at 20% of his 20% of his rushes are 10 plus yards. That's absolutely insane. Absolutely 
productive out of this world. And when I want to talk about production, I want to bring back that Chiefs and Rams game, talking off the rankings you just said with having the Chiefs and Rams in the top three and just in a different tier. I want to talk fantasy positions for some of the players that are going to be playing in this Monday night game. Quarterback Pat Mahomes is the number one overall fantasy quarterback, and you have Jared Goff, who's going to be number three. Running backs, you have Todd Gurley, number one overall, Kareem Hunt, who's currently sitting at five. Wide receivers, Tariq Hill, second, Robert Woods, ninth, Brandon Cooks, tenth, and Cooper Cup, who won't be playing, 18th still, even with missing multiple games this year. Tight end, Travis Kelsey, he's second, and kicker, Harrison Bucker, third, defense, the Rams are fifth. So you have how many people didn't I just name or positions that are rather top five, top ten? This is fantasy beautiful. I, I can't even put it into words how beautiful this is for fantasy football. As someone that covers fantasy football and is a football fan myself, I'm just going to be oozing out of my brains watching this game right now, getting excited about the potential upside for the Chiefs and Rams always. Guys, who's going to win this game? What do you expect to see? Ryan. Chiefs all the way, man. Um, sorry to cut you off there, Ryan. I think Pat Mahomes is just going to dominate this Rams secondary. They're a bit beaten up, but if they could keep Aaron Donald, Dante Fowler, and Tom Kutsu, I know that's asking a lot off Pat Mahomes for just a split second. I think he'll just pick apart them, but Jared Goff is, is a mastermind. He's, he's a great quarterback, and I think he can hang in there. I think he's got the weapons with Todd Gurley. And I got a question for you guys. Who scores more fantasy points combined, Todd Gurley and Jared Goff or Pat Mahomes and Kareem Hunt? Ooh, I'm going to say Pat Mahomes and Kareem Hunt. Ryan? I'll take the opposite. I'm going Gurley and Goff. Okay. I think Yeah, I think I would, too. I think just because I... Gurley, Gurley could... Honestly, I think he could... Gurley could do it by himself. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's just the seeing what... Like, it's really with Tyreek Hill. It's rather he goes off for a career game or the game is pretty good. You know, it's not like he busts anymore like he did last year, but the game's okay or he goes off for three touchdowns and sets records. So, and seeing Tyreek Hill and how he's been playing and did you guys see when he jumped behind that camera and started filming his own penalty? Oh, yeah. Uh, Ocho Cinco. That was That's, hilarious. Uh, throwback. Everyone's doing the throwback celebrations now. I Loving them. I love those, honestly, except for the one where they ran on the Cowboys star. I wasn't I wasn't looking at the T-O. Yeah, so guys, another quick statistic I wanted to bring up for fantasy wide receivers. There's only three wide receivers that are seeing at least 40% of their team's red zone target share this year. Jarvis Landry for the Browns at 47%. Devontae Adams, 43%. And Juju Smith-Schuster at 40%. Any thoughts on this, guys? Because they are red zone threats above 40% for all of them. Thoughts on this? Ryan, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, in that group, Devontae's my, my favorite just because of the fact that... Aaron Rodgers you know, throws him the ball? Yeah, and just, I mean, he's, I mean, you got a, you got a receiving core outside of him that can't stay healthy. healthy. Um, wow, I just pulled up Mike Tyson with the healthy there. Um, <laughs> no, but you got a, you got a wide receiving class, a group that can't stay healthy outside of it. Devontae Adams is just, it's just feasting that, and that, uh, that lineup right now. Um, clear, far and away, the number one guy, 43% of red zone targets, I mean... Yeah, I'm all. I mean, obviously, with any any anyone who's getting above forty percent, you know, anybody in that group, you can't go wrong with. But if I'm taking one guy out of that class, 
I'm taking Devontae Adams for my money. Yeah, Adam, who are you going to take out of those three guys? I agree with Devontae Adams. I picked him early on uh, before the season started to be a top three wide receiver in all formats. I thought this guy would be a stud just because of the red zone targets he got. I looked up his red zone targets from the previous two years, and he was like leading the league in it. It just was insane how much looks this guy got from Aaron Rodgers and I just figured there was no way that he wouldn't target him enough and sure enough he's just been going off averaging I think a touchdown a game he's he only hasn't had a touchdown in two games but I think he's had two touchdowns in two games so Devontae Adams I think there's no looking back for him I think he scores a touchdown in each game moving forward yeah he's got a the biggest ceiling because he's playing with Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. And like you said, Ryan, with the injuries there in Green Bay, he has opportunity after opportunity. He is that guy there. So I do like him for fantasy. I love him. And Jarvis Landry is a guy that I feel bad for right now. He's such a monster, but they're figuring it out with him. Even with the Browns picking it up with their offense lately, it hasn't been with Jarvis Landry. So we're going to have to see how that pans out in the next week or two moving forward, of course, with the coaching changes. Uh, Ryan, do you have your rankings with you, or do you do more of a stardom sit Because we kind of do your, your choice here on the show to do rather a top 10 or a top 12 or kind of a stardom sit for the week by position. What do you kind of prefer? Um, honestly, I can do either. I mean, I usually kind of go through more of a stardom sit kind of deal. Perfect. So, yeah, let's let's do um, – I'll do my rankings, and then we'll throw your stardom sit on there. I'm just going to run through mine really quick for each position. I have number one, Pat Mahomes for quarterback at the Rams. And yes, it's going to be an absolute shootout because Jared Goff is number two against Kansas City. So the two of them are both going to hold that down one and two for fantasy this week. Three, I have Drew Brees against Philadelphia. Four, I have Carson Wentz against New Orleans. Five, I have Cam Newton against Detroit. Sorry, Adam. I think he's going to tear them no, I, up. I think it will. Him tear, and Christian McCaffrey will just them destroy them. Yes. I'm going to watch it live, too, which is going to oh, make it even better. You're going, but I love Cam Newton. You're going so. to that game? Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to watch Cam Newton that's just be, destroy the Lions. That's going to be a really good be game. Awesome. That's going to be a good game to be at. It's going to be fun to watch. I have Aaron Rodgers next at Seattle. I have Matt Ryan versus Dallas. I have Andrew Luck versus Tennessee. Deshaun Watson at Washington, and Ben Roethlisberger against Jacksonville. Rounding off my top 10, 11, right on the outside, I'm going to have Russell Wilson versus Green Bay and Mitch Trubinsky versus Minnesota, despite the matchup that I think is going to be a little bit tough for him. Guys, what do you think about my quarterback rankings? Do you have any opinion besides, of course, Mahomes, Goff, top one and two? You guys can't tell me anything different about that, but tell me anything else past that. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, those guys are probably going to be one and two on a lot of uh, lists. But what else I think could be a shootout could be that uh, Saints-Eagles game. Drew Brees and Carson Wentz are both going against weak secondaries. Uh, the Eagles are in a, kind of a must-win situation. They're four and five. They just lost to the Cowboys. Uh, they're kind of they, – they need to do something. They just got Golden Tate. I think Gold Tate's a, a sleeper pick this week. I think yeah. he's definitely stardom too. Um, I think it, it could definitely make make for a shootout type game with these quarterbacks and what they could do and the weapons they have around them, especially with uh, the Eagles just losing Ronald Darby too in the secondary. So mm-hmm. it, it could be. It's. I think it'll be a shootout. Shootout. Even with Golden Tate not looking as appealing as we all hoped in this last game, I agree with you. I think he's going to feast this game and really find a way to work out of the slot so effectively. Ryan, do you have a stardom sit for quarterback? 
Yeah, so for, for quarterback, um, the three or the four guys that I'm playing big this week, um, I'm going to start with, I'm going to leave my favorite one for the end. So uh, I'm starting Drew Brees. I actually think the Eagles are going to get throttled in that game. Um, I have very little faith in that team. I think they've shown to be a mentally weak team. I agree. Uh, that that really failed to turn uh, turn the chapter on the championship last year and came in still talking about last season a little too much, and uh, that's matriculated on the field. So I think the Saints throttled them. I could see a game where, like, the Saints, by the, their first possession in the second quarter, are up, like, 21-3. to So I think Brees is going to have a monster game. Um, and, yeah, obviously, Ronald Darby being out is going to be helpful there. Yeah. Um, I'll just say, I'll go past the quarterback here. You guys have alluded to it. I'm in the same boat. I'm starting everybody except for defenses in the Chiefs-Rams game. Oh, yeah. So I have both those guys on my starting list. And the last one, uh, early in the season, um, I read a cash play uh, DFS article ongoing for two weekly as well. Um, And big early in the year, if you were playing the Cincinnati Bengals as a stack, you were making a lot of money, like I was. That bubble eventually burst when they decided to lose four straight games. Yep. Um, so I had to try I had to turn my my attention there. And the and the the stack I've really been riding. You guys talked about Melvin Gordon earlier. Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, and uh, Philip Rivers. Rivers is having an unbelievable season. They're at home against the Broncos team. That's just an, an average team at this point. They're at home. They they've won six straight, I believe now, going for seven straight. And they're hot. Um, so Phil Philip Rivers is my number four guy. Um, so obviously starting in fantasy. And then again, if, you know, if you're, if you're looking for DFS plays for whatever reason, um, I mean, every single week I, I, I see everybody on everybody, but the, the chargers, um, in, in those plays. So Phil Rivers is a great play right now. Uh, that's a great point that you have there. And the chargers are playing very hot, just like the Rams, two teams in LA that are holding it down right now. It's still weird to say Los Angeles for the chargers. I think they're still trying to find that fan base here and still picking up that traction because the Rams of course had it from before and the new generation of Rams fans but the Chargers are really trying to find their way here and of course with winning football that's how you get fans and right now I'm just excited to see the future and Philip Rivers unfortunately is in the twilight of his career not he's still playing at an extremely high level but he's not going to be that guy for the long run so I'm just enjoying it while I still see Rivers still slinging the ball over the place and talking shit because that guy runs his mouth. (laughs) I've never seen anyone run his mouth like that on a football field at all times, and I respect it so much. So, Philip Rivers, you're fun to watch and just excited to see what's next for them. We're going to do running back rankings for me. Number one, Todd Gurley versus Kansas City. I can't speak enough about Todd Gurley and what an absolute monster he is. And that moves on to monster number two. We have Melvin Gordon, who I just brought up, guys, who's been feasting probably the most productive fantasy running back besides Todd Gurley. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd have to say for a period of time, it's you know them two and everybody else. Not that you know Zeke and Saquon, all these other guys who you know Kareem Hunt, who all are just going absolutely crazy, Christian McCaffrey, but Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley are just the epitome of consistency right now. So number two, Melvin Gordon. Number three, I have Saquon Barkley versus Tampa Bay. Four, I have Zeke Elliott at Atlanta. I also think that you know Tavon Austin for the Dallas is going to do very well because Atlanta. This is the game plan against them. You know, pass to your running backs, feed them all day. Look how good Duke Johnson did against them. Look how good Nick Chubb did against them. They completely abandoned Jarvis Landry, Najoku, some of these other you know guys on their team, not because. They're trash, not because they're not meshing with his offense, but because 
Greg Williams was the first coach in Cleveland in multiple years to actually go into a game with a game plan. So he went in and said, oh, shit, we should probably use our running backs. Did like crazy. So I think the same thing's going to happen with Dallas. They're going to be throwing anybody out of the backfield. Five, David Johnson versus Oakland. Six, Kareem Hunt at Los Angeles. And that's a quick reminder right now to go onto Twitter and to retweet our tweet for the Kareem Hunt signed hat. You're going to have to go follow our page at FFB Unwrapped and Adam's page at Everyday FFB to be eligible to win the Kareem Hunt hat. We're giving it away for the Monday night game that was supposed to be in Mexico City, but it's now in Los Angeles. No complaints there. We're still giving the hat out, so make sure you're retweeting that. Tag all your Kareem Hunt friends, whatever that may be. We're definitely giving away some more stuff in the future, but right now we're just coming up on our end for the Kareem Hunt hat. We're so excited to pick a winner. Seven, Alvin Kamara versus Philadelphia. Eight, Christian McCafferty at Detroit. Nine, Leonard Fournette versus Pittsburgh. And 10, James Conner at Jacksonville. We're on the outside of the top 10. I have 11, Aaron Jones at Seattle. And 12, Tevin Coleman versus Dallas. What's your opinion on this, Adam, for my running back rankings before we move on to Ryan's stardom sit uh, The one I think, uh, who I think should be a little bit higher is Christian McCaffrey, just because I've seen how bad that Lions <laughs> run is. I think they're kind of just in like a pit of misery right now. Uh, Slay's been banged up, so who knows if he, he'll even play. Ziggy's been banged up. Snacks hasn't really been doing much. And I just think it's going to be a lot of check downs over the middle, screen passes that Christian McCaffrey, because once Cam Newton figures out, hey, this is working, which will be <laughs> two minutes bad. into the game. And I, I think once McCaffrey goes off in the first quarter, there's no looking back for him. So I think he he would probably be in my top five this week. I have Fair him enough. a little higher than probably a guy like David Johnson, Cream Hunt, maybe Ezekiel Elliott. That one's a tough one, but I think Zeke's got a great matchup too with him being at Atlanta and them just giving up tons of yards to pass catchers. And he's coming off a monster game, and he just he's been looking like a stud this year, especially with that sick jump and near touchdown oh, run. Yeah. You saw that hurdle? That was insane. And that I was, was incredible. Of course, he, lo- he lost his was, footing. He lost he, his footing. I was so yeah, sad. Yeah, if he would have scored that touchdown, it would have won me a game. I, it was really hard because I can't, I, t- I keep telling myself you can't complain because he posted 30 points. You're not seriously complaining just, right now. It was just such a simple, like, you know, you know he who you are? balance after he landed and then Somehow he got he saw the end zone, got too excited and tripped. You know who you are. So, you're you're a girly owner. After he purposely didn't hey, score. No, at the last I, I'm second. not. I'm not mad at him. I love him. He, he performed great, but I was just. It was just one of those things that was like, oh darn it. Damn, you want? Why didn't you score? You wanted that cherry <laughs> on top too. Adam's a bit selfish today, Zeke. We're sorry. <laughs> but, eh, no, we're just kidding. But that that jump was insane, and you know the fact that Zeke continues to consistently put out these numbers week in and week out. Like we said, with the epitome of consistency up top with Melvin Gordon and with Gurley right now, Zeke has to be up there too. Of course, with the games he missed last year. Other than that, week in and week out, he's performing. Ryan, give me your stardom sit for running back this week. Yeah, so I'm going to just save everybody the time of listening to the same information twice. I actually thought it had a couple that might be lower on your radar, um, that being David Johnson against uh, Oakland this week, and then uh, um, Saquon Barkley, Jesus. Uh, Saquon Barkley uh, against, um, I just pulled this down now, and I'm 
I'll lose my train of thought here. Uh, the point Tampa Bay. There we go. So I thought that those might be a little bit uh, further down your list that I could provide, but uh, you had to think both in your top five. So I'll just talk about my one notable sit Everyone obviously knows how good the Bears' defense is. Vikings are on the road, so whether it's Latavius Murray or Dalvin Cook, uh, I'm staying away from any Vikings running back this week against that defense on the road. I totally – I'm trying to stay away from anybody that's playing the Bears. Even the Ravens this week, it's just two matchups that are not appealing to me at all. I'm going to go wide receiver rankings. Number one, Michael Thomas, who is just an absolute beast. He broke that record for the most receptions throughout you know, the beginning of his career, breaking Odell's record this last game. It's just Michael Thomas is a beast. And with that Joe Horn celebration, a lot of respect there too. Funny guy. Number two, Odell Beckham Jr., who regardless of playing in this Giants offense, he's still thriving and he'll thrive anywhere. Same thing with Saquon. Odell Beckham Jr. versus Tampa Bay is number two. Three, Hopkins at Washington. Four, Adam Thielen at Chicago. Yes, I'm I'm watching any guy that I'm playing against Chicago, but it's Adam Thielen. He's got to be in your top five every week right now as a lock-in. So top four for me this week playing Chicago. Five, Tyreek Hill at Los Angeles. Six, Antonio Brown at Jacksonville. Seven, Julio Jones versus Dallas. Eight, Adams at Seattle, 9, Brandon Cooks versus Kansas City, and 10, Keenan Allen versus Denver, 11, right outside the top 10, I have Robert Woods against Kansas City, and 12, I'm going to have Juju Smith-Schuster versus Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville seems like a scary matchup on paper, but they really haven't played as well as they usually do, and I think Ben Roethlisberger, with how he's been playing lately, especially coming off that massive game, is just going to continue to perform at a high level, and at least Juju is going to continue to see production. He's going to continue to see volume. Guys, what do you think about the wide receiver rankings? Yeah, I 100% agree. I think one guy who I have a little bit higher is Tyreek Hill. I just think he's going to hit two of those deep bomb passes. I, I got him in my top two. I just I feel like this guy's a stud. He finds his way he into is. the end zone. He's just so fast, he's so explosive. So fast. Akeem Talib or Marcus Peters, whoever's guarding him, will think they can hang with him, and they just won't be able to. Sure, they'll have some good plays, but it just takes two, one, honestly one, for uh, Tyree Kill just to go off. And I agree, also agree with that. Juju Smith-Schuster at uh, 12, a lot of people would kind of say, oh, the Jaguars, the Jaguars, they're so good. But their defense hasn't really been this good. And it's really been Ramsey. And he's not going to see Ramsey. Campbell. Yeah, he's not going to see Ramsey much at all. hasn't even been that good. It's it's just been, it's not the Jaguars of last year, I can tell you that. So I wouldn't fear them as much, but they still are a good defense yep and adam i just got an alert from espn number 18 michigan routes number eight nova 73 to Damn, 46 that was great man so you know a little college basketball we're throwing out because yeah. i know adam and revenge. i were revenge adam and i were talking before the podcast started he was bringing up the mid-game update for me so wanted to say that final score 73 to 46 against nova that's that's a convincing win for your Michigan squad right there. Oh, yeah. Back to football. Ryan, give me your stardom sit him for wide receiver this week. Yeah, so I'll kind of just walk through some of the, the key matches I have for stardoms first. Um, I like Devontae Adams this week. Uh, this week. Uh, Thursday night short rest. I know the defense is um, actually been kind of under the radar. I think they're ninth in points against this year are the Seahawks and 11th in total yards. So quietly rebuilding and having a productive season from their defense. 
with that said, Thursday night's a quick turnaround, and I just like Devontae's target share. I think he's going to have a big game, so I'm starting him. Um, I forget exactly where you had Julio, but I agree with Julio this week. I think he's going to feast against uh, Dallas. Um, I got Julio at seven this week, but that's because the people in front of him, I mean, how how do you rank him above Michael Thomas, Odell, Hopkins, Thielen, Tyreek, or Antonio Brown for me this week? I mean, he's playing Dallas, who has an underrated secondary. Right. No, and I, I agree with all that. I have Keenan Allen obviously going because I like him again, big against the, the Broncos. Right. As far as Sidhams, only ones really of note here. Corey Davis tends to have one good week and then one absolute dog bleep week. Could, so this is uh, the dog bleep week. So get you ready for that. You couldn't have said it better right there with him. So, yeah, I mean, his the most consistent thing he does is be inconsistent. So I would expect a huge regression from him this week. Um, plus, he's not playing that porous Pats defense at home. So that's always going to hurt him. Um, and then the other one, I would just be cautious. I know you were uh, high in Juju, and I love Juju's play. Uh, ben... Ben, uh, a road Ben versus home Ben is a real thing, and as much as I'm down, I think that the Jaguars' defense is in complete disarray and chaos. Um, you know, if, if Juju is one of my top two receivers, I'm not sitting him. But if you're if you're kind of stacked to the wide receiver position and you have him in a flex position, um, I would probably look to stay away from that matchup just because. Uh, again, I just don't trust Ben. Ben, I, you know, it's not not a statement on Juju or even Antonio Brown, but I just I'm always weary. Um, he's very, he's very capable of going out there and throwing a game where he does 200 yards, three interceptions, yeah. and and fumbles once, and then you know you you wasted a spot on Juju who just didn't even have a fighting chance. Yeah, I can see where your head's at with that, and with Big Ben, he reminds me of Philip Rivers. When they're slinging the ball, they're slinging the ball, but sometimes they're throwing the ball all over the place, expecting their guys to make plays, and it causes for a lot of interceptions sometimes, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, but. A lot of mistakes. Just like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick right now, for example. And let's talk that really quick. 400-plus yards, zero touchdowns. What's up with that? Come on. You really screwed my fantasy week that week, Fitzmagic. So quick F you to you on this podcast. Um, yeah, he screwed me too, man. He couldn't throw on. to O.J. Howard more than once. I mean, O.J. Howard had 15 yards and one catch out of the 400 he threw. I was like, oh, come dude. on. I, I, I'm fine with no touchdowns, but at least give me some yards and a couple of catches. Dude, that's, I was listening to... Uh, O.J.'s po- been a stud too. I was listening to a podcast I enjoy, and they come up with a, you know, they do a poll out to some of the fans, think of the best nicknames for some of the players for that week. And O.J. Howard, it was like, O.J., how weird was it that my quarterback can throw for over 400 yards but can't hit me more than one time? And I was... I don't know why that one got me so much. But yeah, that one definitely stuck. Ryan, I usually don't do a ranking for my tight ends. More of a stardom sit kind of like you. Do you have a stardom sit for tight ends? For me, it's really Travis Kelsey. Start him 100% against this matchup and you know against the Rams. But... Is there anyone that you're wary of at the tight end position or someone that you definitely like to start this week? Yeah, I mean, there's nobody I'm wary of. Um, the, the tight end position is basically if you have uh, Ertz, Kittle, or um, Kelsey, there we go. Uh, you know, you, you feel good every week, and then pretty much everybody else is a crapshoot one week. Uh, yep. Vance McDonald looks like my preseason prediction of him fitting in well with Pittsburgh is right. The next week, I don't even know if he's on the field. OJ Howard last week, the guy you guys, the guy you were, guys were just mentioning, was on a, on a huge upward trend and played the 20th pass ranked defense um, in terms of fantasy points against uh, last week. 
and comes away with you know one target in a game where there's 400 yard, 400 yards thrown, which was just the most Fitzpatrick game ever. You guys alluded to. So um, start him, sit him for tight end doesn't even really make sense to me because it's three guys you feel good about, and the rest are a crapshoot, including Gronkowski at this point. Obviously on a bye this week, but just on the whole as a season, there's just no one you really trust. Exactly why I don't do a ranking for tight end. It's just pointless for me to waste my brain cells on such a pointless list for you to come back and say. Well, no one did shit, you know, or someone's, you know, some random well, dude. Like the perfect example was Eric Ebron this week. There was people that were like, "Oh, Eric Ebron, I can't believe you told me to sit him," and they were calling out other fantasy reporters. And it was like, "Come on, who could predict that?" It's just like he only, no, he only had, he only had three. So hard. He only had three catches, and of course, they came for a lot of production for each catch. But he got outsnapped by two different tight ends on that team. He was the third in regards to snap percentage for the game. So I agree with you. People freaked out. And if you had Eric Ebron and your trade deadline is still going for your fantasy team, oh my God, trade so high right now. Just get him off your roster right now. I know that it's a tight end wasteland, but if someone sees that kind of production from the last game and you're seeing the kind of snap count that he's seeing and knowing that it may be a fluke, you know, go ahead and trade him to someone that just sees those numbers and gets off on it because you can really get back some value for a guy that's probably not going to be able to even come close to duplicating that for the rest of the year. Thank you guys so much for listening to FFB Unwrapped, episode 10 with Ryan Whitfield. Our special sponsor this week, Rotosurance, rotosurance.com. Go use promo code UNWRAPPED for 20% off your one-time purchase. Fantasy's first insurance company. If you have an injury-prone star, a Dalvin Cook, a Leonard Fournette, anyone that's missed a significant amount of time, Freeman, any of those guys, if they've missed eight games, you get your entire fantasy football investment back. Go check out their rates. Go check out the one-time purchase you have to make with promo code UNWRAPPED and protect your team. And it also is for daily fantasy football as well. So make sure to go check out rotosurance.com using promo code UNWRAPPED. Thank you so much to our guest, Ryan Whitfield, footballgarbagetime.com. Go check out his website and, of course, his podcast, Football Garbage Time, Pro Football Focus, Fantasy Pros, CLNS Media, SB Nation. Thank you so much for joining us, Ryan. It was such a pleasure to have you. Guys, it was a blast. Thanks so much for having me on. And one last thing, the touchdown promise of the week that Adam and I were talking about just this last week. Who did you pick? And let's talk about your results because I don't want to talk about mine because I was wrong this week. So, Adam, let's let's give you the spotlight for a second. You know, I hit it right on the nose last week with Leonard Fournette. I called one touchdown, and he got two. Yep. A lot of people might be looking at his rush yards with, oh, he only got 50 with 20 attempts. But he's getting the workload, and this kind of wasn't scripted towards his way. But... I think in the future he's just going to keep getting more snaps, more work, and there will be games that will be scripted towards him where the Jaguars will be leading at the end of the game, and yeah. they'll be able to just pound the ball with Leonard Fournette. So if it my doesn't... next prediction is going to be uh, Christian McCaffrey. I got him for scoring two total touchdowns, most likely one receiving, one rushing, but it could happen two receiving. I would not be surprised or two rushing. I'm going Robert Woods this week. He's scoring a touchdown in this shootout that's happening Monday Night Football in Los Angeles now. So I'm going Robert Woods, who is on my fantasy team, and I need you to bring one in, boy. So I'm making a promise because I picked Tyler Boyd this last week, and he fumbled for me. So I apologize, guys, but I'm sticking with Robert Woods this week. I'm feeling strong on that one. But thank Hey, you. we're both one for one, man. Yeah, one for one. Yeah, one for one, and we're going to move on. 
for, you know, this is the tiebreaker this week. This is to show who truly can keep their promise between Adam and I, or if it's both of us. So we'll see that. But thank you guys so much for joining us. Ryan, of course, signed off. Thank you so much to him. And Adam, such a pleasure to always be on with you. Wanted to remind you guys to listen to our podcast on podcast.com or the Apple Podcast app. If you're on there, make sure to leave us a review and a rating. Make sure to go retweet our Kareem Hunt signed hat tweet that we have out on our Twitter. We're giving it away on the Monday Night Football game in Los Angeles. So make sure you're following Adam's page at Everyday FFB and our page at FFB Unwrapped. You must retweet that tweet to be eligible. Make sure you're tagging all of your friends who are Kareem Hunt fans. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we're going to catch you guys next time.